You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the US, and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way, because I want you to have a profitable private practice. All right, today we're chatting with Roy Huggins and Lyeth Dalton from Person-Centered Tech. Hello, both of you. How are you? We are great and so, so happy to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, so I'm excited today. We're talking about uh, HIPAA compliance and how that could cost you, how that can make you money, all things, all things money around HIPAA compliance. Um, so let's jump right in. Where exactly does HIPAA compliance and financial security intersect for group practice? Well, I mean, the, the main area is, of course, what brings most practices and group practice leaders to engaging the security compliance process is out of a concern that they're will be expense or cost for HIPAA violations or complaints. What we found though, is that what is a lot more impactful is having your practice set up on a robust security foundation that really is predicated on the effective utilization of tech and systems in a practice that help optimize it. So functionality-wise, operationally, in terms of efficiency as well. And so taking that kind of holistic approach to how security and tech utilization is managed in a practice can really impact the bottom line in terms of cost savings. Um, So it's not just about preventing fines or expenses down the road. It's much more about on an ongoing basis, having things be as optimized as possible. And also reducing surprises because a lot of it's like, um, like our program for getting your tech together uh, is focused around functions. Like we have a thing called the big list of functions, which is by that, I mean like just the functionality your practice needs. Like so email, what are some of the facts. functions? Um, a, a way of securely sending documents, okay. a way of uh, a secure place to, um, uh, to have a team meeting, you know, like, like this is a big list of all the things, you know, and of course, like all the other stuff, like, you know, me- messaging with clients, you know, all the kind of stuff. So like, it's all, it's all functions. And like, the idea is like, you may pair, you know, you may prune some out because your group doesn't need them, but most mm-hmm. of them you're going to need. All right. And so like, you know, our program is based around get that big list of functions. And then we have some basic services we recommend putting in there to fill out most of that. And then, you know, choosing the services to get the rest. And we find that it's not just that that saves people money because it does frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, it also ensures that you have everything your staff needs because a big thing we've seen that costs people money is when they suddenly have to figure out how to cover a need. Like everyone, for example, suddenly had to figure out how to have all their staff work from home doing telehealth right. last, like in March, 12th, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas it's like, if you were, you know, so of course, like, you know, the whole framework is, is, is updated to be totally flexible. So it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, 
your, your services will provide your staff and your team with everything they need. If they're at home, if they're at the office, if they're on a beach in Haiti, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at what point though, does uh, a solo or a group practice need to really start looking at their tech stack and their tech security? It should be one of the first things. Is well, it, it does it usually happen that way? <laughs> no. <laughs> Once again, Lyeth knows much better than I do about that one. That's that's like right. what she does. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I have really enjoyed over the course of the last year, year and a half in particular, there are a lot of solo providers who are now launching a group practice. And because I think of the whole experience of that rapid transition to telehealth because of COVID, are aware of the, you know, how essential having the right tools for their job are. And so there are more folks who are looking to start with that solid foundation in place. But uh, it is absolutely true that the vast majority of practices, both solo and group, don't start that process at the outset. It'll kind of end up being a potpourri of what what they maybe started with because it's what they had in private practice or an agency or more often than not what colleagues told them they have to use, right? Like you, if you're going to be doing teletherapy, you must be using this platform. And what the end result of that then is that people will end up with the tools that aren't exactly right for their specific set of needs. And while there are a number of different services that do specific functions that we very frequently will recommend, it's kind of the pairing of them being really specific to the identified needs of of the practice that is the recipe for success. Okay, so this yeah, sounds I, a I, lot like accounting too, where sometimes it's not really like that first at the forefront. Uh, and so there's a patchwork of various things. Mm-hmm. And then is it though like accounting in the sense that when you're at the group practice level and you're a couple of years in, it can be a little more expensive and time consuming to like fix all the things and, and yes. level everything, right? Yes. Or you're going back to that mm-hmm. solid foundation building on yeah. top. Is it similar in that way? Absolutely. That's precisely what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay. And, and like, and we like, like, that's actually, um, it's kind of like my lot in life to, to be involved in that stage of someone's business. Like even when I, Back in my young years, when I was a web developer, I was constantly picking up websites that were poorly done, and now I have to fix it all, right? And, and then, so they cost them way more money than they were spending than they wanted to spend because now I, I have to come in and fix the big mess that was made, right? Um, but like because it was wasn't done planfully or intentionally, yeah. like a big thing we end up doing at PCT a lot, or well, Lyath ends up doing because Lyath is the person who's the direct, you know, the direct advisor on tech selection and service selection is the, um, you know, people come in and they've got, I, I just remember, okay, I'm gonna give one example just because okay. it's so shocking, right? <laughs> this is not typical, but it does happen. Like, I remember like, you know, back when we actually had an office together by us on the phone doing service selection with one of our, our, our clients. And um, she gets off the phone, it's like, well, I just saved them, it was like $500 a month. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like some like ridiculously huge amount of money. And it was like, how on earth did you do that? She's like, well, basically they, 
needed a fax service because they suddenly had like a hospital or or, some, or an agency or something that they're going to be working with, which happens a lot of groups. You know, you have a group, you have a you have staffing. Yeah, you can provide staffing, right? So like the you know you're like okay have them and they're like they can only communicate by fax. So we needed an e-fax. And I'm not an expert. I just went out and looked like, I just know it needs to be quote unquote HIPAA compliant. Mm -hmm. And so I looked for the first thing I could find that says they're HIPAA compliant. And the service was, I mean, it did business associate agreements. Like there, it was a HIPAA friendly thing to do, but it cost like 500 bucks a month. Wow. It was some insane Astronomical. cost. Right. And they just did not know that they could actually, they don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like, all I had to do is be like, oh, well, here are the ones you usually go to. And this is going to cost you like 50 bucks a month or something based on, because you don't have like every one of your staff constantly faxing. You just need an admin person to be able to send like a few faxes a month to the agency. And so like, that's an extreme example. Like mm -hmm. it's usually much more like smaller, much more reasonably, you know, kind of relatable examples okay. that happen, but they're also not like 500 bucks a month. So they don't sound as cool. You know, they're like, well, <laughs> it's more I, like I did have okay, another okay. 500 a month example uh, last week, which was related to video oh. platform um, because, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because a practice had adopted Zoom, Zoom for healthcare specifically, so that they had the business associate agreement in place. Um, but they're able to save a dramatic amount of money by leveraging an existing system, which in this instance is Google Workspace, by using Google Meet as their primary video platform instead of Zoom. And because Google Meet now has become a lot more zoomy to use yeah. Roy's technical <laughs> terminology for it. Um, it meets all of their functionality needs is great from a cost perspective because it doesn't cost them anything more to use that functionality. And it reduced a bit of the cognitive overhead for their team in terms of having to transition between different systems as much. Oh, wow. That's really neat. So, so what's the most that you've ever saved a, uh, a company then a group practice? Well, the, on a single service switch, that $500 okay. mark, 500 per month yeah. mark is, is the benchmark at this point in time. Okay. If we tallied it up between other, that's a big, yeah, $6,000 a year is a big deal. A year, really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. that's, yeah. that's true. I mean, if we, if we tallied it up as well and looked at every little system change that is made too, because phone systems are another wow. area where we're often able to help practices get more functionality, better security, and less expense. If you paired that with the, you know, the examples we just gave, it would end up being more, but it sounds a little more impressive when you're like, just on one yeah, switch one alone, they saved right. X amount. <laughs> okay. And so I, I can just picture like, if I was listening to this episode, I would be saying, yeah, but it's so much work changing things over all of that. Is oh, that something is. that you, there's no doubt yeah. you guys work with your clients on like a, a plan to transition things over? 
Exactly. Yeah, that a big part of what we do ends up being support around change management. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of course, there's the logistical pieces of leadership having to be on board with making the change at the outset mm-hmm. and seeing the benefits, you know, doing a cost benefit analysis. Does this make sense to undertake? Yes, it does. Then how do we navigate it? What's the order that we make these changes in? How do we support our team in making the transition as well so that it is is as smooth as possible because we don't want to disrupt things operationally. And I think that's part of why it's great that our team and our consulting team are primarily also therapists who work yeah. work in this space and understand the lived reality of the team members who are going to be impacted by these changes and know how to frame what the value is, like what the reason they're doing it is, and how it all translates to being about client care. Because that's what is most motivating to everyone that we're working with is serving their clients to the best of their ability. And if we stop talking about all of this stuff in terms of kind of arbitrary technical requirements or specs of different services, and it's basically comes down to what is the best tool for you to use for the specific job for meeting clients' needs, then they are a lot more excited about going through the tedious bits of making a switch. Yeah. Cause it's, it's definitely not just a financial decision, right? There's the team mm-hmm. and the process mm-hmm. and a lot more to it. Yeah. 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 We actually end up measuring costs quite frequently in dollars, energy, and human hours. And like human hours obviously can be translated to dollars, but I don't just mean I don't just mean in the fact that it's dollars, it's also a lot of group practices um, are, you know, to, to do the stuff we're talking about, someone who does something else is now also doing this. You know, like, so like right. often the, it's not uncommon that the clinical director gets a, gets tapped to be the security officer mm-hmm. or, or like the top level admin person is the security officer. Mm-hmm. And like, at that point, it's like, that's a new hat. It's another job, uh, which is why we, I mean, we design things with, on the assumption that you're gonna take a long time to make all your changes like mm-hmm. because we were like we're not unless you're brand new and you're setting up from the beginning which you know just happens so rarely because we're always catching people when do they get to that point like I earlier where they're <laughs> like oh man i need to change all this right like so we just assume it's going to take you a long time um but like not not because you're spending lots of hours but because you're not spending lots of hours and it's um so yeah those people need that they need that resourcing and they need that space in order to get it done. And so the human hours doesn't just measure how much money it costs. It also measures um, how much energy and like uh, how much stress you have to take on to do it. Yeah. So speaking of human hours, I'm curious um, if the clinical director is taking on the hat of security officer, like what does that look like as far as a time investment per week or month or year even? Varies dramatically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it, it really does vary dramatically. The way that we have our programs set up are kind of with the ideal amount of time that a security officer would have to devote to it being contained to a couple hours a week. 
Okay. And not more beyond that. And that's um, in terms of working through policy and procedure adoption, the consulting meetings with us where we're looking at all of their systems and doing needs assessment, risk analysis, that sort of thing, and their training. We want the change to be made incrementally and at a pace that is reasonable and fits the rest of the needs of the practice in terms of what other factors are taking up cognitive bandwidth. And um, so there, there is a lot of variation, but I think that kind of ends up being the, like the common amount of time that, that most folks end up devoting per week. Okay. And does the, the implementation timeline vary pretty wildly as well, as far as how long it takes to, to move things around? Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's, that is actually the biggest variable. And okay. in part, because the amount of time that it's going to take for a system change depends on what sort of system it is. You know, mm -hmm. if you have to switch practice management systems, for example, uh, that's a big uh, one, right? like, it yeah. is a huge yeah. undertaking and there is no yeah. way around the fact that that is really a painful process um fortunately that's not one that comes up very frequently and it's not right. something we will often advocate for I, th yeah. I think maybe right. only once has that been a system switch that we advocated for. Um, right. More often than not, it's the ancillary systems that are providing the rest of the functionality that needs right. to be in place for a practice that we're talking about changing. And most frequently, that'll be uh, related to communication systems, um, phone system. And if you have a really huge practice, that can be an involved thing, especially yeah, hardwired <laughs> systems before. Yeah. So yeah, there's right. a lot of variation there. Okay. So the systems you typically recommend changing tend to be across like phone, fax, email, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Most, frequently. most frequently, yes. Um, and getting better functionality in place with those two. So sometimes it won't be a matter of doing an email switch, but it'll be adding a third party service onto their email system in order to have secure email functionality integrated which yes, does add expense, but also can make things so much more efficient, not just uh, more secure, but a lot more efficient. Yeah. What, do, what do you mean by that? What makes email more efficient? Well, it makes, if you know that you reliably have a secure email in place, you are then able to bypass what we often refer to as the initial contact problem. Okay. Which is that if you are using conventional communication means for initial contact with a prospective client, um, you technically need to be obtaining a request for non-secure communications from that prospective client before you use those communication methods, which that seems like 
a whole bunch of ridiculous hoops to have to jump through, right? And be putting a barrier to establishing a clinician-client relationship and and end up being a barrier to getting care. And that is not something anyone wants. So if we have the right tools that make it possible to have secure communication in place that isn't clunky, that's not the escrow style of of email then you are reducing barriers to access to care and making things more efficient for a team uh, to manage too because if you don't have that functionality integrated into your main email system you're having to switch out to another system and that time just all adds up really quickly that was a really good example thank you for that i appreciate it yeah (laughs) it's probably the one that yeah, like I imagine Lyoth ends up actually doing that switch with nine out of 10 practices. Okay. Yeah, it's that, extremely common. That and getting yeah. contact forms secured on their websites. And yeah. once you have a secure contact form, you can ask for all the information that you need that makes your yeah. intake process right. efficient. Like a lot of people will not ask for insurance information or other things that would greatly expedite yeah. their matching and intake process because they have that feeling of, oh, this isn't secure. I can't ask for anything other than maybe name and email address and a few words, not realizing that isn't meeting their HIPAA security it doesn't needs. doesn't work either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just, it's not meeting right. any needs actually. And if we get the right yeah. tool in place, then they can ask everything they, they need to and it makes things a more efficient yeah. process. Wow. This is really interesting. So are you guys just testing out different softwares all day long? Like, do you, how, how often do you look at new, new options out there? Probably once every week or so. Like, um, these days, Evan, he's one of our consultants, tends to do a lot of the actual, like, uh, evaluation of something new. Okay. Uh, But usually what we're doing at that point is we're just, it's often because one of our, our people we're working with is looking at it as a possibility. And so we'll just go do like, we have a cursory check and deeper check sort of systems. Okay. Like we at least do the cursory check just to make sure that like they will not violate their own compliance to use it. And then after that, we look, the deeper check is more about, are there any risk management potholes here we really need to be looking at or knowing okay. about. So like, um, but but honestly, it, it's, it's really just years of experience. It, it's just mm-hmm. years of doing kinds of these and then getting the feedback from our, our, our colleagues about what works and what doesn't and then iterating until like we know like and we really did not expect what we've come to honestly which is that there's basically most group practices we could basically hand you a recipe of things to do and it would probably be 90 percent of what actually works for you okay like you just sort of look at your practice and be like do these or like here are these what do you think like well this part doesn't wait okay well how about this instead okay that makes it perfect that's it. Like, it's, it's actually really impressive. Like, I really never thought we'd get there. I never thought that there'd be such a uniform type of need across different practices. I thought the needs would be so different. But part of the reason why it works now is, you know, I realize our niche is smaller than I think, because it's, it's the world I live in. I'm a mental health prov- provider. So to me, I'm like, it's the whole world. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So like, you know, there are a lot of very similar needs across our practices, whether they're group practice or solo. And the, uh, also the fact of also a lot of the reason is also that the services available to us in the modern world 
are a lot more flexible and uniform in the way they function than they used to be. Like back in the day, it'd be like, you need phone service, like means you need a phone service provider that works in your area. That's true. Right? Yeah. And it's got to like, you got to get the phones and they got to like, if you want someone to work from home, you got to get them a phone. Like these days, it's like, whatever. You know, <laughs> like we have two, we have two internet phone services that we recommend to everybody basically based on, you know, which balance of costs and support you want or like of services you want. And it doesn't matter where you are. They all just are, you just, everyone just downloads a new app on their smartphone and it functions. And then it's done. So we're like, uh, it, but if you want to have phones on your desk, you can do that too. And so we said, okay, that means you need this service. This is the one that does that stuff. You know, like if you want to do that for your admin staff, but that doesn't sacrifice having the app on the smartphone for all the clinical staff. For everyone else. No, like, yeah, it's like, and like, you know, it just didn't exist 10 years ago. No. Right. So, so like when I, when I started all this, so like a lot of it's also just the way, you know, an internet-based life um, has really evolved and like become much more robust. Um, and like, you know, and it just like, of course, awareness of that exploded on March, 2020, when suddenly everybody needed to be like, I can't depend on an office anymore. And so we're like, luckily we are already teaching people to not be dependent on an office. We just didn't think of it that way, <laughs> but we were doing that because that's what the was, modern- it, would, it wasn't, we weren't expecting it to be so abrupt either, right? Oh no, not at all, God, yeah. no. Oh my God, we should have been there at the PCT offices. Oh, um, on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day 2020, I'll never forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, that would be an intense day. Uh, but, but like, by offices, of course, I mean like our homes because we don't have an office, right? Uh, and- <laughs> But, but the thing is, it's like just the modern world of tech is just built that way. And I, and I, I was a developer, a web developer back in like 1999 when they were already talking about visions of what tech is like now, where it's all basically up on the internet over there and we all can access the internet all over the place just with our little doodads. And <laughs> you no longer, you're not like, I need my local phone company to give me my local phone handsets for my local office. You're like, I have a smartphone. When I need to, I also have a laptop, you know, I mean, like, like that's, that's all I need. And then I have, there's cell towers everywhere. There's Wi-Fi everywhere. Uh, and then you just, even if like changing the system just means that like your main primary reception person has time to, you know, surf Facebook for a few minutes and relax and like, you know, get, like complete a stress cycle in between stressful calls or something, even if that's what happens, that actually is saving you money because that person is happier, more energetic, more ready to help customers or help yeah. clients. Also more ready to help the clinical staff. Like they're far more like uh, cognitively agile at that moment if they're not stressed, you know, and if they're not trying to jungle, like the more task switching they have to do, uh, the more cognitive load they get, right? Yeah. And certainly if that's true for clinicians, clinicians don't want any cognitive load. Clinicians are like, I just want to think about people and say Facebook and that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, Facebook is the common theme here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, it's kind of like, I, 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 no, it's I, true. I have lots of criticism of Facebook, but it's like, you know, it's just, what do we do in between, you know, high energy things to, unless it, other than say chatting with someone else or things like that. I'm just sort of like, like, what's a thing that the personnel are going to do that's just by themselves that is to wind down, complete some stress cycles, move to the, the kind of recharge their ability to move on to more uh, energetic tasks, which, and keep it all use stressful, you know, enjoyable. So it's not distressful. 
And it seems like having these kinds of secure systems in place is it probably adds to the peace of mind of the business.